humans, welcome to the M Word Podcast, brought to you by Martin. Thanks for joining us today. Today I'm joined by Paul, recent Parish Walk winner. Congratulations and welcome. Cheers, thank you for having me. Pleasure. We, uh, well, it's a couple of days after, you just come up some stairs and you look pretty fresh, which is pretty annoying, but uh, that's what a good bit of training does for you. Uh, so we'll dig in shortly, perhaps, to the, the event, how it went, leading to it. Uh, how it's been since then, back at, back at work and normality, uh, but perhaps for uh, our listeners, a bit of background to yourself, I presume first of all you're Manx, are you Manx? No, no, oh, from the UK, yeah, yeah, moved here. Oh, when you're I was, one of them? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one day an adopted Manx, if you'll have me, but, uh, but yeah, no, I moved here when I was uh, 23, I met my uh, wife at university, so uh, we lived away till, till about sort of that, that age, 23, and then uh, she wanted to return home back to the Isle of Man, and uh, I've never been back into here quite a few times, but whilst I was at university and spent quite a lot of my summers here working for a dad and and, and, and the likes, it was a it's quite an easy decision really to to, to move here. Yeah, and, so you're familiar yeah. with the place? Absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And we we wanting to sort of have kids at the time and bring them up, and you know the Isle of Man is a great place for that. So very yeah. very safe, obviously for children and yeah. great for bringing them up. So yeah, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So sporting wise, when you were a youngster, what 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 ticked you ticked your boxes? Yeah, it was probably the typical thing that, that a lot of kids do. So it was mainly football was the main sport that I played as, as a youngster. A little bit of cricket in there, but that, that they were the main sports. Yeah, yeah, really that I did. And the the the, the sport then, as often when you get into your teens and later in life, that things take over. Did that take a back seat for a while? Yeah, I I think when I was at university mainly, I, did, I probably didn't do quite as much sport then, mainly because of studies and the likes, but. Um, one of the things when we moved to, well, when we moved back here, when my wife moved back here and I, I came with her, um, was that obviously I didn't really have many friends here. So one of the ways to sort of make friends was was to sort of go, you know, go into sport and the likes. So um, I started playing football for Kurt Michael back then, uh, back in 2007 it would have been. Um, that was one way to sort of get to know a few people and, and I played there pretty much ever since. Right. Where'd you play? As a um, position, yeah, uh, defender. So mainly centre back, a little bit of right back occasionally. I've mm. probably got not quite enough uh, flair to play in a more more advanced role, right. but uh, yeah, I like to be more, more of a safe pair of hands at the back. Hopefully, really, <laughs> rather than too too creative. I was, I was thinking maybe after the obviously you got an engine on you based on winning the parish that maybe you're that holding midfielder and you you know covering the most ground. That's probably where you might might fit now. And they just. Passing the ball side as the flare players, if you feel that you don't have that flair. Yeah, no, you could well be right, to be honest. I, th- I think in the past, my fitness wouldn't have been there, but, but yeah, this last year or two, yeah, but perhaps I might be able to be more of a centre now, yeah. <laughs> Do you play at all now? Or is that on the back seat with all the other bits going on? I've played up to just before Christmas, really, okay. um, and that's kind of where I look to step a running up a bit. And as part of that, I just didn't really have the time to continue yeah. to. Uh, do the footballing. So, but yeah, I've not played for the last sort of six months or so. I guess part of that as well is that football and having suffered an injury playing football myself while I was doing other sports yeah. especially if you're taking your running and you're walking seriously yeah it's that risk of some 19 year old cracking into you and yeah causing an injury I guess must play on it or would play on your mind as well so yeah playing probably makes it an easier decision as well yeah 100% yeah I mean it's kind of three reasons one was the time but the other two was well first of all what you've just said injury wise was a real concern last thing you want to be is out for three months and set everything back or just train towards an event you know we put a lot of hours in over a lot of months and then even a more minor injury that you know puts you out to an event would be pretty good in really yeah. um, and then the sort of the, the, the third one was was really around kind of 
um, being able to train properly. If you've just played a football match on the Saturday, it's very difficult to train at the level you want to train the next day or even the day after, really. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, a, a, one football game probably takes out three days worth of you know, good quality training. And then if you've got football training sessions as well, you've, yeah, yeah. you've lost most of your high quality training sessions. Let alone work-life balance and everything else you need to fit in there. Absolutely, yeah. So, obviously now you're doing a lot of walking and running. Which one of those two came first when you got... I wouldn't say back in the sport, but yeah. on the path you're on now. Yeah, certainly I'd, I'd consider myself probably more, more as a runner, really. Um, running is, is what I'd done previously, but only at a very sort of low level. You know, throughout my 20s, I'd, I'd go out for maybe the odd run here and there, only a three or four mile one, usually just after Christmas, the, the typical sort of January, trying to you know, get back into the fitness sort of thing, and then it'd drop off over the year, but that was only at a very low level. Um, and then I guess the running did sorry the walking rather didn't really come in until only a couple of years ago. And that, that's, that's when I started looking at that. Right. And what what started that journey, the walking? So the, the walking really came from um, it, it was a work appraisal uh, two and a half years ago. So it would have been at the start of twenty nineteen. Um, one thing that I'd noticed over the years between probably, well, probably when we moved to Alabama I was twenty three through to the age at the time when I was sort of thirty five. That sort of ten or twelve years. You know, even though I was doing sport, it's probably putting a couple of pounds on every year, which isn't a lot, but over 10 years, suddenly you've put on a couple of stone and rather than being the sort of just under 12 stone weight, you're over 14 at the time I was. So um, I was speaking to my, my boss, Werner Alberts, who's a, well, be, be not only a work colleague, but actually a, a very good friend of mine. Um, and as part of my appraisal, he put within my objectives to enter the parish walk and complete it. Um, and I think that was off the back of the fact that I'd sort of expressed the, the, this view of trying to improve my health, try and lose a little bit of weight. Um, and, and, and so he set me that challenge to, to get into walking and that, that's kind of where it started really. Yeah, okay. It's interesting that I've never really considered that it was almost like an outside objective of personal, obviously appraisal process in, in any any job, it's about personal development, but yeah, yeah setting those targets, interesting yeah. concept, obviously worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, part of it, I think it was for, for the health benefits, but also then, there's a lot of kind of um, skills you learn around kind of, um, I guess, sort of not giving up, keep yeah. going. You, you, you're going to have issues during your training or during the parish walk that you've got to try and resolve along the way. And all those skills that you learn through training for the parish walk and actually doing it are then almost transferable into your workplace as well. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the, 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 there's benefits in lots of different directions, really. So it's, it's, it's just quite a nice objective to have in your work appraisal, although yeah. it's not typically what you do normally yeah, see. Yeah, no, very interesting. So, and again, I suppose you expand that out to the work environment and, and the world at the moment. Mental health's a big discussion point. Yeah. And exercise is one area that's always sort of put on the, on the agenda to, to get your exercise as well. So I'm sure it factors in there as well, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. certainly after a long day in the office, you know, I work indoors, obviously, at a computer for, you know, God knows how many hours to get out for, for an hour is, you know, is bliss really. Yeah. Yeah. Just a chance to clear the head and you know, everything is, I think, is yeah. really quite valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just to go back, you mentioned uni. What did you study at uni? University, I studied maths. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah, did a maths degree, then, then a master's in maths. Um, and then, um, yeah, right, did that. Okay. So. I don't know much about maths. That's <laughs> what uh, calculators are designed for, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so let's stick into the walk, walking then. So uh, did you then join a walking group? How did that, uh, how did, I suppose, again, for people that want to get into what again, you come off, it's like the new year, people kind of, new year ends or Wimbledon's on, everybody wants to play tennis. Mm -hmm. The feeling is and the hope is now with 
the parish just finishes, people maybe even looking at the end to end, going, "Oh, maybe she'll have a go at this as kind of a start point." Mm. A few months down the road, what, what, how did you find your pathway into that? Obviously, yeah. you knew someone there. Did you then say, "Join these people, come with us"? How yeah. did that work? Yeah, Werner very, very much took me under his wing. I'd say, you know, he, he kind of you know, spoke to me about approaches for training, you know, all those sorts of things. He, he took me out on, on training walks and helped me with technique, which is really valuable. Um, but I mean, ultimately, you have to do it yourself. So he kind of gave me the the, the knowledge and, and and some training around it, um, which essentially was to, you know just try and get out for three walks a week if you can was, was pretty much you want to get to a, a reasonable standard. Of, you know, so a reasonable standard I mean is in finish it finish it in, in a reasonable time. You know, at the time back in there, two thousand nineteen, the, the the main aim was to finish it. Second aim was to try and get down to maybe twenty one hours or something like that, which is you know a, a very good time on the parish walk. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I was typically going out maybe for two one-hour walks at, at, at a reasonable pace for, for what I was doing back then, and then one longer walk, which started about maybe a couple of hours, and then just increasing that over time as you get closer to the parish. So it was probably about four hours a week worth of training right. really on you know, over three different days, which isn't isn't too intensive really. Yeah. So. And for those who haven't seen you actually in motion, would you consider yourself a full race walker, a strider, or somewhere in between? Um, it's hard to say. I, I definitely wouldn't consider myself to be a speed race walker. Mm. When you see the, the people that do the ten k's around the NSC, you know, the, the, their technique and the speeds that they produce is on a completely different different level. I think the the parish walk and this sort of ultra dis- distance events is almost like a different different sport completely. I think the the technique you use I think has to be slightly different from what I can see. It's you, you can't quite be as as race walky as that. And you've got to conserve quite a lot of energy, walk at a comfortable kind of pace but still obviously put a decent speed and that you can endure for a significant amount of time yeah the uh, i don't know that i read a bit or maybe when we spoke to erica talked about uh apparently sort of full rate when you're full kind of hip swinging rate it's you do save uh use the word saving energy it becomes super efficient so yeah i guess yeah. it's a balance where you're not quite on that full efficiency of race walking but still mm-hmm. being efficient especially in an endurance event yeah, yeah. It'd be interesting to see some of the real fast race walkers actually in the parish to sort of see how they get on with that, whether they can slow it down compared to what they normally do, which is obviously exceptionally quick, but then maintain that for you know, 10, 12, 15 hours. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, there's certainly some incredibly talented people there, which, you know, if they could transfer it, transfer it into an ultra distance race, it would be you know, quite interesting to yeah, see. Yeah. Uh, and, and so in that 19 event, you entered the parish. The goal was just to get around. Yeah, first target. Yeah, tip on your appraisal. To be honest, that, 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 that was my aim this year. I think any year will always be the first target of, of trying and finish it. I mean, there's, if you look at some of the walkers out there, one well, in particular, Andrew Titley, I don't think you've come across yeah. him. Um, unbelievable record he's got. To, to have entered the parish, I think it's about 18 or 19 times mm-hmm. he's done it. And But he's got a 100% record. He's never not finished it, which is you know really quite incredible, really. So, yeah. To not have one year that... You know, you have a bad year and then think, well, you know what, stuff it. I'm in Jerby, you know, another, another 40 miles to go. So I'd like to think, unless it was any sort of major injury or, you know, sort of major health issue that, you know, if I can't get a 15 and a half hour you know, time again, I'd rather get a 20 hour time but finish it yeah. rather than sort of, you know, sort of just say, well, because it's not going to be super fast. I'm, yeah, I'm just yeah. going to stop. So. I imagine that's quite a hard head challenge that generally because uh, having experienced that myself, it, I've done it in a time where, now want to do it and that's almost like a, you beat yourself with your own stick mm. where uh, 
So just having that mindset to go, well, it's not it's not about my last performance, it's just about this one. Yeah, yeah. I think at the time, I'd, I'd certainly have, have those emotions and those feelings of, you know, it's not really worth it because it is just, you know, you know three, four hours you know, slower than, than what I'd want to do. But then quite often what I've found in the past is, you know, if you're doing a training run and you're feeling really like you're struggling and you think, well, maybe I should just stop. But if you can carry on for a little bit, what you quite often find, or what, what I quite often find is, it's not actually quite as bad as you thought it was going to be. And then rather than being, say, three hours behind the time that, that you're aiming for, you might only be an hour or 30 minutes. Yeah. And then by the time you finish it, well, actually, it was worth carrying on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and you, you'd never know that if you hadn't have continued. So. so 19, you finished. What time were you, did you get that done in? Uh, so 2019 was, um, I managed to get just under 18 hours that okay. year. So a, a, an awful lot better than I was expecting. And I finished in eighth place as well. Right. It was, it was, um, I think that was probably quite a high position for the time I got because it, it was a particularly hot year, 2019. I'm not sure if you remember or not. I think the top 10 to rush and wear some exceptionally good walkers. Only about, I think, three finished out of those. Right. About seven uh, dropped out of the heat. It was, a, I think, a very fast race at the start, which yeah. uh, obviously took its toll. Um, so because I, I, I was really just looking for the finish, I, I'd really paced myself early on, which I think through probably more through luck than anything else meant that I conserved a lot of energy and didn't get too taken in by the sun. So, yeah, yeah. so by the time I got up towards Bride and the, the sun was just starting to sort of ease off a bit, I could just pick off, pick people off in front of me and sort of move up the places from probably about 30th early on to right. up to 8th by the end. Right, so, okay. So. And then in the lead up to that, because obviously class as a front runner there, was fueling, was that stuff you, again, I guess being, being a, ma- a mathematician that things are, I don't know, Maybe you've got a bit of OCD, I don't know, but yeah. things are fairly regimented, I would guess. So was that something you researched a reasonable amount of, or was that, again, I don't use the word luck disrespectfully, yeah. but was that just a bit of a, it, it just happened to work? Yeah, I think, um, I mean... I'm th- thinking, here, sorry, just for listeners about planning, I suppose, their own thing. And Yeah, the, the, the feeling side is obviously critical, and I think the more you can plan it, the better. Um, the key thing, I, I, I would say, what I found in the past, is, is trying to test as much of the food as you can before you actually go into the event. So if you do long walks, make sure whatever you're going to eat during the event, you eat during your, your training walk. So make sure it doesn't disagree with you or anything yeah, like yeah. that. Um, the way I try to do it is to say every 20 minutes, I'm going to try and eat something during the parish walk. Um, and then it's it's a question of what food you can tolerate at different bits. Certainly the first half of the race, I, I find I can tolerate a lot more foods than the second half. Um, so I try to keep to less sugary foods, um, which is probably more beneficial to have earlier on the uh, on the race. And then the second half, I have to go more to those sugary ones that if you have too many of, you're going to start feeling quite sick. So yeah. almost try, yeah, try and leave them as late as possible. Because um, you have them early, then you'll be feeling sick yeah, in, yeah. In, in the race. So. Yeah, okay. So, so you finished 19, it's a good result. Did you start doing running then? Were you doing running at that stage? Um, I was doing some running, but at, at a fairly basic level. I hadn't really taken up running um, at a kind of more, um, I guess, advanced or more, more regular training level at that point. It was just the, the odd run here or there. I'd done the Sid Quirk. Um, in fact, I did, I did the Sid Quirk that year, 2019, which was the first half I'd done. Uh, with a target in under an hour and a half. And I managed, I think it was 127 or 128. So I did a, a bit of training leading up to that, um, really the two or three months before, but but nothing really that significant at that point in time. Yeah, okay. So then you roll into, and I should know, but there was a Paris last year, wasn't there? I'm just thinking of COVID. 2020, no, no, oh, Paris was off. Okay, yeah. yeah, right, okay. So then did you start doing more and more running at that stage? Um, up to the uh, Sid Quirk I, I did, as soon as Sid Quirk was over, which was the sort of late November time, 2019, that, that's when I focused on, on the Paris 2020. 
So really from 1st of December, really, that, that, that was the focus of seven months now, or six, six months thereabouts, to train and try and get a really, really good 2020 sort of uh, parish walk time. So I was looking to really improve that 18-hour time in the one that was cancelled last yeah. year. Um, so certainly through January, February, uh, before COVID came in, I was putting some, some, some serious miles in on the walking side and massively working on my technique as well. So I think that was probably one of the key points where, although I'd done reasonably well in the 2019 parish walk, I still had a lot to learn, a lot to work on my technique. So that was really done over that sort of um, end of 2019, early 2020 period. People helping you with that, or was you researching online, going out and practicing? A bit both. A bit of both, yeah. So it, it was working with Werner again, but then also, um, one thing a lot of people told me was just look at what other walkers do. Hmm. And then I obviously looked online as well to, to, to see sort of the different sort of uh, coaches, what they said on there. Um, and then do, just experimented a bit, to be honest, tried different things, but very, very subtle little changes around, you know, the, the angle that your arms come through, things like that, how your feet are striking, um, you know whether, well, how far back or forward your arms are swinging, you just minor things like that. And then looking at the times I was producing by walking slightly different to what I had been walking at and seeing whether it worked or it didn't. And then just just using that really to try and learn a bit more and, and improve. Presuming your maths, uh, analytical minds probably loving all that. Absolutely. Well. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's, it's probably one of the big things, I think, um, certainly with the training, leading you know, up to training sessions, after training sessions, working out exactly kind of what I want to do in, in every mile, Think about what route I'm taking because obviously whether you're up or down is going to be different. Um, then analysing afterwards to see how it's gone. Preparation for any race, it's, it, it, it's one of the areas that I probably enjoy well, quite possibly more than the actual race itself, to yeah. be honest. it's uh, I really enjoy that build up towards a race of, of, of trying to prepare for things yeah. and, and get ready. So. I think a lot of athletes, are, speaking to Christian Varley, that's one of his things he talks about that he enjoys the process more than the actual event. Absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's critical because that is 90 eight percent probably or maybe ninety five percent of the overall kind of time that you're gonna do between the event itself and, and all, all the preparation. It's yeah. the preparation that's the, the, that's the main bit. So so, uh, so when it's cancelled, how good were you? Yeah, yeah. So certainly uh, March time I, I was putting some some decent fast walks at that point. So, you know, with with COVID coming in it, it, it was pretty gutting at the time. Um, yeah, it was it was a real shame and how long did it take you to kind of refocus and because I again I, when you kind of, I guess as well, you, when you focus on something that's taken away, mm. we can all get a bit spit the dummy, uh, you know, you kind of, because yeah. again, you speak to my, I suppose you've talked to a mind coach, they'd be immediately trying to refocus you on whatever the next goal is. Yeah, I think with COVID coming in, and the, well, one of the things with lockdown at the time meant was we could only go out for an hour a day. Um, and yeah. because of that, and I've got, got two young daughters, what, what I basically said was I'd only train every other day because I wanted to take, Daughter out one day for their exercise, and then my wife took them out on the um, on the alternate days when I wasn't. So, so the girls were getting out every day for, for, for their exercise for an hour, uh, and then I, I was able to do a training session every other day. My wife was as well. So um, that then meant I was only really able to train for three or four hours a week, depending on on, on how the sort of on the even days worked. So to do that, there's very little race walk training you can do. The distance you can cover is less. So at that point. I switched over to running purely to just try and get more miles in with the time restrictions were in place. Mm-hmm. So really it was um, that point there through March and into April. Um, but one thing that I had found was that my running that I'd done, obviously just at a very sort of um, every so often level before I got into walking was was at one level sort of fairly average, I'd say. After doing all the walk training, I'd lost quite a lot of weight. I got a lot fitter. Going back to running, even though I hadn't done any running for a, a quite a good period of time or at least I hadn't done any for 
say four months or so when I stopped running in March, um, I could run on a completely different level. It was completely, you know, completely different speed to what I'd done before. So I was actually running at a much higher level in sort of March, April time than I had been when I did the sick work in, in the November before that. Yeah. Um, and then really as I got towards the end of April, I was really quite enjoying the running by then. I heard about Christian doing, doing his 19 marathons in 19 days. Um, and at that point, I'd never run a marathon before. I'd only done one half marathon, which is the sick work in the November. So on the 1st of May, when Christian did his first marathon, I actually went out and did an unofficial marathon myself. So it's the first time I'd run that distance and uh, managed to finish it, which I was pleased with, and, and, and got a time, I think it was about 3 hours and 23 or 3 hours and 24. Right. So, yeah, yeah. so, and I think that was the catalyst. When I finished that and got home that, that evening, I then kind of wanted to then go, go and try and do a full marathon uh, which then signed up for the Alabama Marathon in, in August. Okay. So we'll get on to that in a moment, just to step yeah. back. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Yeah. I was just going to ask about the training load yeah. in January, February again, to give the listeners an idea of what kind of training load you were, were at pre-COVID. I guess it was probably the same this year, as in January, February, leading into the parish. What kind of distances, what are you doing there? Yeah, so at that point there, I, I was building up really from December, and so when I got into January, February, I, I was hitting a, what I thought was a reasonable distance. So I was doing two shorter walks, but by that point in time, they were about 10 miles, um, looking to do around 10 minute mile pace, so about an hour and 40 for each of those. And then one longer walk of around, typically around 20 miles. So um, like one of my favourite routes for that is, is up over the slock. You know, if we're going from Peel, I'll go up to the round table and then turn right and, and head off that way. Or um, the company I work with, we've got offices, mainly work from Douglas, but I can work from Castletown as well. And from there, you can go up towards um, Russian Church and then, then up over the slock and back, which is quite a nice route to do. Um, the only thing I found at the time was I hadn't done a lot of that sort of volume of miles in the past. So I did pick up a few injuries at the time, mainly around sort of, um, my ankles did swell a little bit, so I had to ease off on the training a bit at times. I think it was probably, because I hadn't done a lot of training before, I guess really December 2019, so it was only with that two, three months, I was up in it for maybe 10 or 20 miles a week up towards that sort of 40, possibly even 45 miles on some weeks. It was probably a bit too much, a bit too quickly for the body right. at the okay. time. Interesting. And, uh, Again, I'd always imagine as that month, February, January, February, you go through, is that, that long walk, that long middle walk, let's call it, is that you always trying to add more miles on that? Is it always kind of around 20, 20, 30, whatever? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think back at that point when you're quite a distance away from the actual event, I wouldn't go much beyond 20 miles. Okay. What I tend to do is then as you get towards an event is, is to increase that and peak about three weeks before the actual event itself. So the, for, for this year's parish just gone, I, I peaked at just under 30 miles roughly two and a half to three weeks before the parish mm. and then started to taper off from there. It's interesting, that's quite a sh- obviously a lot shorter than the parish itself where mm. appreciate you speak to marathon runners and now they won't be running, you know, 20 miles, possibly even even up to the event, but that, that's not something that I know to can't speak to the other parishes, mm. that's not parish finishes, that's not something that you won't go and do a fifty mile training ride. No, no. I mean as well as walks, I mean yeah. I think a lot a lot of people would probably say the one I did Two, two and a half, three weeks before was a bit too long still, right. you know, but pushing towards 30 miles. And it's really around, I think, the, you know, it takes a lot out of your body when you do these long walks, particularly when you're looking to do about pace. And that's one of the important things in your training walks that you do do them at a decent pace. Um, so it's the trade off between putting your body through a workout, which is then going to sort of, when it repairs and, and, and sort of um, you get back, it's, it's going to add fitness and improvement and strength to your body. But at the same time, not causing so much damage and injury that actually it's going to take multiple, you know, yeah. multiple days. It could be four, five, six days 
you know, and beyond, which then means you miss out on your next training walks. So it's yeah. a trade-off between recovery, but also gaining you know, the, the fitness benefits. And as you've been going through this kind of cycle for a couple of years, you become, I presume, become a lot more uh, aware of your body, how it's reacting, how it's recovering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So, um, so I do you walk with a heart rate monitor? Do you do um, that? I walk with a, my Garmin, w- yeah. w- which gives me the you know, heart, heart rate, and there's quite a few stats that I follow on that, really. So um, I think you're right, though, you, you get to know how your body reacts. It's more how you feel afterwards. There's there's almost different sorts of pain to a certain degree. There's On the long walks, you always feel almost like a little bit of pain afterwards, whatever you've done, but there's kind of... A, a pain where it's kind of more like your core, say, where you can just feel it's it, 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 it's the muscles that have just been worked and, you know, it, it's almost like a nice sort of pain because you know the first you know, 8, 10, 12 hours you'll feel that, but, but but you know that that pain kind of starts to ease off over time and then by a day later you start to feel fine again and two days you feel completely fine and then there's probably more of a kind of the pain that, you know, isn't good pain, it's maybe more in your joints or, yeah. or whatever. Um, so fortunately, I, I, I've not had very much of that at all and, and if I feel any during a walk, I'll then start to ease off. You know, you, you always need to be proactive and, and, and prevent it before it's happened because yeah. once you've injured yourself, it's much more difficult yeah. to get you know, the recovery back in. And on the injury side, you mentioned about picking up a few niggles. Physio-wise, is that something you actively go and seek or do you just try and manage your injuries yourself? Um, I generally try and manage them myself, really. It, it, it's more about avoiding like yeah. like I say. Um, the one thing I, I found is, is that actually the, the issue I had back in sort of January, February 2020 when I had a bit of swelling in the ankles, it was more just because I, I'd up the training too quickly. Yeah. And what I've learned now is you just have to build things more slowly over time. And if you start to see just the slightest bit of swelling or something, just ease off a bit because you, you know if you keep going up, you're just going to yeah, cause yeah, yourselves yeah. issues. So that's generally... It's quite disciplined to do that because most... Yeah, well, my own experience and many people I speak to, it's not. It's the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Because you always want to get do more training, load your body more, get quicker, faster. So yeah, having that patience is important. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. It it is quite tough because you, like you say, you just want to get on train, and when you've got a target for something, you want to you know try and get it in as much as you can. But I think it's it, it's the discipline, it, it it's the planning again, yeah, yeah, right. coming back to that, that that bigger plan. One thing I, I always sort of try to say in my head when I'm doing a run or a walk is, you know, what you aim to achieve here overall, and the, the target might be you know a race in three months' time. So, I you know I might want to go faster now, or I might want to go slower, but actually, is that going to benefit that race in three months' time? If yeah. it's not. Then you're better you know, to recovery run. Keep it to recovery run pace. You know, don't go and start doing six minute mile pace. You know, you need to be doing seven and a half, eight minutes or whatever what the yeah, pace right. is. Just you know, stick to the plan basically. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. So, quite uh, I suppose a question that probably get a lot asked because it's a parish related question is is feet. So during your uh, certainly during your training when you first got into walking, was it a matter of just suppose it's just hardening up the feet because you see obviously horror stories of people finishing did you do you ever do have any special treatment with yours or with yours just because you put the training in not not a massive concern yeah no I, i've not had any sort of uh, major treatment that needs to do with feet or anything like that all, all i've worked off really is as you say sort of hardening up over time and um, when i did the parish in 2019 I, I got quite a few blisters afterwards although i'd done training for that i certainly hadn't done anywhere near as much training as this year whereas this year because of the additional training i did i've very very little in the way of blisters on my feet, just a tiny bit on the very backs of my my heels, but but almost nothing really. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just again it's it's building up over time and um it's it starts with the training really. You know the the, the first walks I did the train were only six miles short walks. You could feel that I could see my feet sort of just hardening up a little bit and then just slowly over time over multiple weeks and months just build up a few miles each week. Um, 
and then kind of you know you, your feet just adjust to it and don't get damaged you know, in between. Yeah. Okay. So to swing back, you mentioned there then you uh, you ran I suppose on official marathon. Mm. You then focused on the, the I think it's the micro game and yes uh, marathon. How did that go then? Lead into there and again all self training at the moment. Yes, at that point um, I kind of wanted to try and get a reasonable decent time. So what I actually did was I went online and just searched for a marathon training plan. So. Because I'd done three hours twenty three, my sort of unofficial one I'd done myself. I, I found a plan for going under three hours, uh, which gave you basically you know, number of times to train a week, what sort of speed you should be running each one at, and then followed that over. I think it was about a ten week period at the time. So more spreadsheets, more data. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, no, it, it certainly helps to have that structure in place because then you know exactly what you're doing each day. Because otherwise, if you're going out for three runs a week but you've not planned what you're doing, then it's very easy to say, "Well, I'll just do an easy run again yeah, today." Sack it off. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, starting to work towards trying to do that in, in under three hours. So um, yeah, it, 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 and I quite enjoyed the training for that. It was the first time I've probably had a proper training plan for for a running uh, running event like that. And the, the, I guess you, as a, again, I think you touched on when you came to the island. It's 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 a good way of meeting people as well. In if you're in I suppose a, str- a strange place or people that you don't know. So in that, how did you find the running community? Were they welcoming of this walker? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I mean the. the all the athletics community here is, you know, pretty amazing. Really, I, th- I think sometimes it's easy to forget how lucky we are with with what we've got. You know, through you know, just the sheer volume of stuff that's organised, but also then the people that are organising it and competing in it. You know, I, I don't think I've ever heard a bad word say by anyone in in in, in any of the you know, events that I've seen. It's it, it's all encouragement. It's it's all kind of you know sort of uh, good banter and and, and the likes. So. There yeah. seems to be a lot of pathways. That's certainly an observation, especially athletics. There isn't a lot of sports, but athletics from the from the park runs to the prom runs to the uh, fireman's runs to then I guess the fell run. Yeah, they all seem very welcoming. Uh, cheap, you know, a few quid and away you go. Uh, Absolutely, yeah, yeah. They are. and, and you know, the great thing about them is that they cater for everyone. It doesn't matter whether you're a super fast runner, a slow runner, or anywhere in between. You'll be running with someone when you're there because there's people of all abilities. So it's, it's they're, they're really great events. And what what time did you end up doing in there? Yeah. yeah so it it was um, I managed to do three hours and five minutes. So I didn't quite hit my target on that one. It was a a, a super hot day, a very warm day that that, um, that day. So um, quite a tough route up there actually as well. It yeah, up over Bride Hill. Yeah, up over Bride Hill. Yeah, yeah. So you do two laps of the course if you're doing the marathon. The, the first lap wasn't too bad. I think we set off about nine o'clock. So and interestingly, okay. sorry, just to put yeah. in, when you're then running with with guys, are you just do you think do you try and follow a pace or do you solely go my pace is six minute miles, whatever they are, and yeah. stick to that, or do you do you how do you yeah do you wing it a little bit in the event. Yeah, I, I I tried to keep to to, to a pace. I, I knew for a three hour marathon, I need to average about six six minutes fifty per mile. Yeah. So I got around the first lap of it um, at about six forty six pace or thereabouts. So I, I think it was about one hour twenty eight or, or thereabouts. So I was on course into the first lap, but I could feel at the time it was coming around to about half ten. And although it was quite early in the day, the sun was out. It was really starting to heat up. Like Saturday, yeah, yeah, and I I could feel myself that was going to start slowing and. And I managed to keep the pace up reasonably okay, back up Bride Hill, down into Andrus. Uh, but as soon as I was through Andrus with about six or eight miles to go, I, I knew I wasn't going to do under three hours at that point. But to be honest, it was the first proper marathon that I'd run. Um, I was running with actually quite a few people that, that I'd seen on, in the racing circuit, this year, which I knew were very good runners. So actually, to miss out my three, three hour mm. uh, marathon time, I really wasn't that disappointed given that you know, these great runners I'd seen running, I, I was able to keep up with. Yeah, which was, yeah. you know, 
really quite pleased with at the time. I can't imagine there's too many people in the world that uh, run the first marathon and it's kind of the three hour mark. So that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, that that started the no race for the wicked. Uh, sorry, no rest for the wicked um, week. I don't know if you've seen that. Okay. Six races in six days. Yeah. So um, I then ran those races each day through that week. Um, I was completely without expecting it. I actually ended up finishing second overall in the series oh, for that, okay. right. based on the time. Um, I think first place was Aaron Smith, who was, who was miles ahead, obviously being a great runner, but there was some, some decent runners in there that, that I was competing with. And because I got a half decent marathon time, I was then sort of a few minutes ahead of them when we got into the other races. And then each race gets added together to give a total time. Right. Um, so it, it was quite nice that, but as part of that and the, and the competition with those guys around me, it meant that I got to you know, chat with them and get to know them, people I'd never spoke to before. And I think that comes back to like you were saying about the racing community. And although it was competitive, it was very friendly as well, you know, between all, all the guys I was, I was speaking to. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. The, uh, what was I going to ask? The, I can't remember what I was going to ask. Uh, Yes, so I was going to go into the sick work because we were talking about that earlier. Yes. Because then you, you've, you, I guess the next focus was after after that. I suppose week long of racing and maybe tapering for a little bit after that uh, was the sick work and the, the focus on focus on that. So again, was that pick, pick a training plan off the internet or were you fairly, and kind of know what I'm doing here, I can structure my own? Yeah, it, it was a bit of an interesting time actually because um, sick work was... 100% one of my targets um, and that's obviously what, what I ended up doing but I, I was debating at the time there was a little bit of a trade-off with the end-to-ends the, the okay. end-to-end walking race because that, that's in September time so I was kind of I couldn't quite work out how I could try and train for both at the same time but I kind of wanted to do both so I originally set up to keep running because that's what I was doing and, and I found a, a plan online for that um, as you say to start working towards the uh, SID quirk um, but then I did about I think it was about eight weeks before the maybe it was about six weeks before the end to end. I thought I'd just try and get out for one training walk. I did about 16 miles, went up for, well, from Peel to the round table about just to see how I was, to see whether there was enough fitness in the legs to be able to do the end to end as well. And what I found after that walk, because I hadn't walked for about six months, my legs were very stiff, quite sore. And I kind of knew at that point, if I was going to do the end to end, I'd have to start with lower miles and start to build it up. And it wasn't really enough time to do that. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I kind of had to accept the fact that if I was going to do the end-to-end, -end, I wasn't going to be able to put in the sort of time that I wanted to do. Um, so instead, at that point, I decided I'd focus on the um, SID quirk for the next sort of three, four months. And then once I was through the SID quirk, then the next target was then going to be the parish for the year after, where I could then have a proper go at it rather than a half-hearted go at the end-to-end. -end. So, yeah. so yeah, it, it was the SID quirk. So I got a plan off the internet and then started sort of working towards that over about, I think it was like 10 or 12-week plan again. Yeah, and you touched on you... you uh, ahead of schedule ultimately your time and what you did the half in it was a half down there wasn't it yeah 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 so it's a half marathon so it was returning back to do well my, my second half marathon that was so i'd done the one the, uh, the year before an hour 27 hour 20 around there so my aim was to try and get really well first of all to beat it and then second of all under 125 and if i could push down towards 122 123 and uh, that that was kind of my sort of more ambitious sort of target, you know, yeah. 120 would have been amazing was was what I had had in my head. My training plan, I think, was from memory, it was, it was for a 120 marathon, uh, half marathon or 125, but it, it, was, it was around that time, so it was pretty much what I was aiming for. Yeah, right. And you ended up? Yeah, in the end, it, it went perfectly well. The conditions were, were brilliant on the day, which, which certainly helped, but I, I did, I think it was 114, 57, wow. so it was, yeah, yeah, an awful lot better than I was expecting. Yeah, it was, right. It was probably the first... 
running race that I've done where um, I ran at a completely different speed to what I've done in the past. I remember setting off, running, feeling good, and then looking around me and seeing some of the competitors I was running with and thinking, these are some of the guys that are miles ahead of, of what I've ever been. If I can stay anywhere near them, even just for the first half of the race, even if I lose them then, I'm still going to get a really, really great time. Yeah, right. um, I think one of the guys um, I was running with at the time was Dave Bignall, quite a good friend of mine from... Um, they run to Western Athletics Club as well, and he's one of the guys when I first did a little bit of running, doing like the Dave Phillips, just the four mile run on, on Peel Prom. Um, he gave me a lot of encouragement along the way and encouraged me to you know enter more events. He was one of the guys that actually said, you know, you really must go into the sick work now and, and, and do that when, when I did my first one. So, mm-hmm. you know, to have him as, as one of the guys that's kind of been really supportive along the way, to then be able to run with him was, yeah, yeah, yeah. was just quite, quite unbelievable, really. Yeah, so, right. it was great. Yeah, it's probably cursing you then. <laughs> Possibly. So much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's interesting listening to you is the uh, the ability to kind of manage your mind around, you know, again, going back to that ability to just ease off when, when things aren't quite right. Is that just just a trait you have, you I think? think? I, think so I think a lot of sports people at any level have that, mm-hmm. struggle with that. That mind, that mind game. Do you have a lot of mind games yourself? Do you spend a lot of time mulling over it, or you, can you be quite rational about it? Yeah, I, I think I'd say I'm naturally a very calm, rational person. I mean, it, it's certainly one of the things that I need for my work as well. You know, I, I'm quite quite comfortable with you know when when things start to go wrong or or as an issue, just to take a step back and you know just think what what's the best you can do from here. You can't always get a perfect answer for anything, whether it's work related or whether it's a run that's just not quite going how you want it to go. Um, I'm quite comfortable just looking at it and saying, right, what's the best I can do here to get the best outcome? And then just work off that, really. So I think that, that probably helps quite a lot. Mm. I, I mean, it doesn't mean that I certainly do worry about things along the way and constantly you know, thinking about what could go wrong. If it goes wrong, yeah. what can I do then to make sure that I've, I've taken an approach which will put it back on track again? Uh, but yeah, no, I've certainly naturally have just a very calm and yeah. sort, of, you know, sort of mindset. I imagine having that again, looking at that, if you're looking at data and that, I go back to the maths, but yeah. the, the, the data, again, it's all controllable information, is it, that can help you analyse the situation. So you have about training, train, few training runs maybe, and you're like, am I falling ill? But if you've got the data to show that actually it's just the legs are just tough, or you yeah. know, are tired, but actually my times are okay, that yeah, yeah. can maybe rationalise a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, certainly on the way, you, you always had the odd, have the odd training session where, just for some reason you just don't run anywhere near, near what you want to run there's normally a reason for it some of them you like you can easily work out so after i had my, my covid jab um you know three four days later i, I was training for, for, for a run i was doing and it was nowhere near what i was expecting to do but i knew i'd had my jab three days before it was probably you know, the effects of having that done uh, but there was another day where i for some unknown reason, I was running and I just just couldn't get any speed in there. And I, I switched to um, Keith Gerald at the time, who was helping with coaching, and, and and he said, "Look, you've probably just got some sort of virus or something that that's come. It, it, it'll ease over the next few days, and, and you're back to running normally again." And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, so, yeah. so yeah. So it's interesting the coach aspect and, and, and Keith who we've had on. Uh, again, it's just some as much as valuable training plans well to sound and board, isn't it? Someone who's not maybe emotionally involved in mm-hmm. in what you're trying to achieve and do in regard to their, you know, they're the coach, so they can just have that stand back view, can't they? The helicopter view, I guess you call it, and go, yeah, just take a few, you know, a few days about it. Don't stress about it. Maybe take a couple of days off. Absolutely, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, the sounding board is is really invaluable. I think if you've got someone that's that's done it and done it at a high level as well, then they they understand it an awful lot better, yeah. and that, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. So coming into uh, well, one quick question before we get into yeah. that, because obviously the, the whether it's running or walking or, or a mixture of both, uh, we live in a world where, and I know you've got a family as well, where life is busy. Uh, that exercise, if that's the important thing to 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 the to the individual, that finding that time is difficult and finding yeah. that balance. Is that just a I wouldn't quite use the word constant battle, but that's just a, a challenge and part of the. So would you get up earlier perhaps to go training or? kids to bed and then go training and how do you how do you manage that yeah and they tips for others to to yeah. take away from that yeah it's it, it, it's definitely a challenge like you say you you've got to be able to plan ahead for when you're going to have opportunities to to, to to run or to walk or to train and then when you've got those opportunities at certain points in the day absolutely make sure you take them so for me um it depends on the days I, i'm not a big fan of running early early in the morning or or, or walking early in the mornings i much more prefer to do it either you know, during the day or or in the evening. So, um, I'm very fortunate really with with the work that um, well, with with my employer, they are extremely supportive of um, kind of your well being. Put on your, put on your development. So you yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I they're, they're quite flexible. If I need to have an hour of training session during lunchtime, so I'm going to be an hour and a half by the time you know got out, you know got changed, done a run or a walk, got back showered. And, they're quite happy for me to start working at half an hour early or finish half an hour late. Yeah. You know, and starting half an hour early doesn't really eat too much in, in, into your family life. So I'll quite often do a, an hour at lunchtime to, to, to get a session in there, which massively helps really on that side. Um, sometimes in the evening, and then I always try and do my, my long uh, sort of events at, at the weekends. So, um, you know, if, if you can go out early on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning, that, that, that that's a massive help to sort of do, do your training then. So get back and still have some family time. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and because I, I find it easy to train later in the day, I try and ensure that my, my harder training sessions are done then. So if I can't do it during the day or the evening, I'll then go to an early morning training session. But that generally then tends to be the easier ones you've saved for that, which is kind of when I'm less keen on doing a training session, but at least it's more of a recovery run or something like that rather mm-hmm. than a you know sort of interval session, which I wouldn't fancy doing at five yeah. in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I always it, it's something that Rich Sill, who does a does a lot of the sports stuff for sports aid psychology stuff, he talked about uh, when we talk about individual sports, and he said there's no such thing as an individual sport because ultimately there's a team around you. And again, just when you're listening to you there talking about again the parish might be seen as a as a, an individual event, but let alone on the day and the support you get from feeding and everything else. But just go back to training and to fat you know to your family around you and support and you go and yeah. You can have a few hours out while yeah. I look after the kids. So again, no, I, there's I, always that team aspect, I guess, isn't there, to, to any part of the. Yeah, no, hundred percent agree. I mean, you you need the full support of your family work. And, and work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I mean, for, for me, you know, sort of do, you know, doing the parish this year that's just gone. It's you know, so many people involved. Whether obviously mentioned about Verna, who's who's going to be a massive amount of support with the training side of it and and everything. You know, a guy called Stephen Quayle who supports me on the day. We'd been out ahead of that, done a lap of the course. We had a whole plan written down up between the cells. Some of it went out the window. Some of it was useful in the day. Um, you know, he had spreadsheets and all sorts. He, he's big into his spreadsheets as well. He <laughs> he did say about having like one of those boards he had at the TT out the side. You know, <laughs> if I split up, how you know, your time up and yeah, time yeah. down. So, um, and then of course, you know, the family as well. You know, throughout all those months of training, when you know that they're supporting you. But you know, it's I, I guess the important thing is you know you've, you've got these 
specific times where you can get the training in. Then as soon as you're back and showered, then it's yeah, get the kids out and take them, you know, it's a horrible day down the cinema or down the beach or whatever yeah, else. Yeah. And making sure that you're making the most of every minute of every day, really. So. This, I know, the cinemas. Watch this, kids, and you have a little snooze <laughs> on the back row. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Daddy will go and get the ice cream. So <laughs> in the car. Uh, so let's talk Parish 2021. Uh, you mentioned you finished the sick work then it was straight into or full into walk, walk mode were you doing any running then or was it just walking it it was meant to be oh, um, right, but okay. then it, the name ended up being slightly different so um yeah the intention was after the sick work and i've got like well the intention was going to parish walk um, training but then i got that time and after getting that time i kind of got a bit of a feeling that i then wanted to go and run a marathon and um, so I was looking at different events on, and I saw that there was one that was being arranged for, or I heard a rumour there was one being arranged for, um, it was March time, early March by uh, the, the Alaban Vets. So they have a 20 mile open run around that time. Um, and it was mentioned that we're looking to also offer, as a one-off this year, I think it was, um, the, the option to do a full marathon as well. Um, it's not the greatest route because it's at the NSC around the raceway, but at least you know it's a chance to do a marathon. And with it being early March, I then kind of thought, well, actually, if it, if that does go ahead early March, that's enough time then to be able to train for the parish afterwards. And so then it was around that time I saw that I wanted to try and up my game a bit from what I'd just done in, in the Sid Quirk. And I had a few friends that, that were getting coaching from, from Keith Gerrard. So I then sort of spoke to them about, you know, do you think I should go and speak to him and, and, and see if I get some sort of further help to try and um, improve my running further. And that they, they were massively supportive of that and it's sort of highly recommended him. So. I then sort of reached out to Keith. It would have been, I think it was just before Christmas it was. Um, and then I think it was probably about Boxing Day. My training plan came through for the next sort of 10, 12 weeks ready for the marathon for, mm. for, um, for, for, for early March. So, so then at that point I knew I wasn't going to do any, any walk training actually oh, okay. until just after that marathon that was due in, in, in early March. Right, okay. That's interesting that you weren't doing any walking during that period. Was that not playing on your mind that, or was it just, this is my next goal, I don't need to think beyond that at this moment in time? Yeah, it, it was very much that really. It was, it, it was I, I knew I wanted to try and do, do that marathon and, and, and try and, well, first of all, get under three hours, but at that point I kind of thought I'd, I'd get a better time than that. Um, someone had mentioned to me that the, the way you try and work out your, your marathon time was to take your half, double it and add 10 minutes. So that, that would have put my marathon around 2.40, which I didn't think I could quite get to that sort of time. But, but certainly, you know, if we're in for under three, then if we get under 2.50, um, that, that would be a pretty good, good good objective. So when I spoke to Keith, that's kind of what I discussed with him. So the, the, the plan that he put together for me and what we worked towards was to go under 2.50, but with a you know, chance if he can to get down towards sort of 2.40 time. Right, okay. And how did he end up? Well, the, the the issue we had was it got to about a week before that that um the race due in early March, maybe two weeks before, and then COVID hit. I think it was the second oh, lockdown right, then. So okay. unfortunately, oh, course, yeah. at that point, the the, the marathon got cancelled. Oh, right. oh, actually, it wasn't cancelled. It it was postponed. So it was going to be potentially put back, uh, but they didn't have a date at the time because they didn't know it was COVID. So what I ended up doing was I still went out and ran a marathon, but again, unofficial. So it, it wasn't actually an official time. So. Uh, Keith had recommended quite a nice loop up near Solby, uh, quite a nice flat, fast route. It, it's a lap of about, I think it's about just over five miles, five and a half miles. So it was about f- five five loops of it, I think it was. Yeah. Um, so I did that on a, I think it was a Friday morning or something. I managed to do, I think it was two hours 34. Oh, wow. So right. I wow. massively improved on my time and, and the conditions for it were, were perfect, but it was unofficial. So, yeah, yeah. so, so, so it, uh, it still didn't count. So 
Um, but I suppose it does help, I guess, I'd never think about going and doing an unofficial one, but I guess it helps to both box off four months of work, doesn't it, and show that it's it's come to fruition, even if you can't. I mean, official or unofficial, it doesn't really matter. The reality is, you know, you can run a 2.34. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've done that. I absolutely tend to do it still with, with, with the marathon being off because, like you say, you've done all the training at the end of the day. You know, one side of you says, well, what's the point? It's unofficial. But then the other side says, well, actually, you've done all the training. Mm-hmm. Get there and do it. And, and to be honest, it, it, it went really, really well. You know, I, I trained for it specifically. No other distractions at the time. Obviously, I wasn't doing any walk training. So it, it was purely focused on that. And I managed to get get a great time. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah. Well, once that was done, then it was it was back to the race walking, which um, you know, in preparation for for, for the parish, uh, which I spoke to Keith before, and that, that was my next target. And then I, I was going to go back to him originally. Then after the parish, then start to build towards the next target. Um, and, but then it's probably about I think lockdown got got eased, and I got a message from Keith saying, "I'm sure you don't want to do this because you have your focus on the parish now." But I've, I've heard apparently that marathon you're going to do early March has been rearranged for for May, um, so it's 16th of May being rearranged for. So I went back to him and said, "Look, Keith, I, I'd, I'd love to do it, but parish isn't that far away. You know that, that that's what I'm training for now. So, so that that's my focus." Um, so I kind of left it there, and it was about two days later, and, and I don't know what it was, but something hit me, and I thought to myself. I need to do this marathon. I really mm-hmm. want to do that marathon. So I got back in touch with Keith and said to him, "Look, I think we've only got. I think it was about six weeks or, or eight weeks at the time. It w- wasn't very long until the until the marathon." I said, "Do you think we can still train for this marathon? But I'm going to need to do my walk training at the same time." And he said, "Look, you'll run the marathon fine. You've done, you know, all the training up to you know j- just before the last one was cancelled. You've you've run it. You're still going to have a lot of those miles in your legs." Um, he said he, he didn't know what effect doing the walking alongside it w- w- would have, but he was he was comfortable that, that I'd be able to run that marathon. So then he, he he asked me what training I need to do for my walking side. So I basically said I need to walk three times a week. I need a a Sunday, which is just just do my walk on, uh, or a long walk rather, and then two short walks in the week, one of which I could combine with a like a split day and, and do a run as well. So I'd walk early in the morning and then run in the evening, say, or vice versa. So they pulled that plan together started work uh, work towards that and then ran the marathon on the 16th of May at the NSC and uh, didn't do quite as fast as, as the one I'd done in March but I managed a, a 237 <laughs> and I managed to, to win that race as the first first race that I've ever won to be honest so I was uh, very pleased at the yeah, time. Yeah too right yeah right and that and the loading up a little bit more on the training managed that obviously based on the time and yes but yeah so I think that the load would have been a concern a year before. I, mean, I mentioned before about my ankle swelling a bit when I was doing the war training, doing about 40 to 45 mile, miles um, a week. When I was doing the training for, for that marathon at the time with the walking at the same time, I got up to probably about 70 or 80 miles a week, so nearly mm-hmm. double, but my body was fine. And I think what it was is because it had been over a period of time, I'd been building up the miles, building up the miles. I'd been typically doing maybe about 50 miles with Keith in the sort of January and February of, of this year for, for, for the first marathon that I was meant to do before it got cancelled. Then to ease up from 50 to up to 60 miles and then up towards 70, 80 over a number of sort of four or five months, yeah, the, yeah. the body was fine with it. So, and, so yeah, I got through that. And that, when you compare with the walking that you were doing then to the, or, and perhaps previously to the uh, running training, I would assume the running training is more intervals, etc. I could be wrong, where the walking training's just more steady. I use the word steady loosely, but steady, steady endurance type miles. Is that right, or do you do do you do kind of intervals when it's walking? 
Yeah, no, I, typically the the running side, as you say, I've, I've got normally one interval session a week, Keith typically sets. There's normally a long run, which is quite a tough run with, with some faster pace built into it. And then the, the rest of the runs tend to be uh, slightly easier pace ones for recovery and, and, and the likes. On the walking side, the two shorter ones I do, I tend to try and do them at a faster pace, really try and push them hard, or, or, or certainly one of them hard, maybe the other one at, at a reasonable pace, but do, do them at a decent pace. And then the longer one, I don't do intervals in it, but I, I do, again, try and do it at a reasonable pace, maybe not quite as fast as my shorter ones, but yeah. it's, it's more about um, a steady pace. I have thought about whether I should start trying to do some intervals within them and, and push a bit harder, but what I kind of find with the walking is there's not a big difference between that steady pace I, I can keep going for a long period of time and my top end pace, which might only be 30 or 40 seconds a mile quicker, yeah. whereas with running, you know, you, you, you're steady pace might be one speed but your interval pace could be a minute or yeah. a minute and a half faster so it's quite a big kind of difference yeah, really right. interesting so that, that finish that marathon and then you've only four weeks yeah it was and you really I guess coming well you mentioned earlier I think three weeks before was your longest walk yeah uh, yeah so I, I had it all planned out at that point I knew I had it was pretty much exactly six weeks I think it was from when I ran the marathon to the parish or maybe a day under six weeks um, so I knew I needed two or three days for, for, for recovery after the marathon and then ideally I wanted to get in um, I think it was four long walks or five long walks but there wasn't enough weeks in there so I basically rather than having a weekly cycle of training I moved it back into a five day cycle mm -hmm. of training and I think it was over a 20 day period so three weeks pretty much I did four weeks worth of training in five day cycles mm -hmm. um, and I did include a little bit of running in it actually, but it was, it was mainly walking. And I knew that that would get me to two weeks before the parish, which was then basically the, the main taper point. And over that four week or four week cycle or, or, or four lots of cycle I was going through, I'd have four long walks in there. So the first one was about 20 miles, then it went to 25, then up to the peak one at about 29. And then I dropped down to 20 for my last long walk, which was about two weeks before. So he was just trying to build it up again, but in a very short space of time. Um, and then sort of drop it down after about just under three weeks before the parish mm -hmm. to sort of work towards a taper. So, but yeah, there was a lot of time in there, and it was very, very, had to be very well planned out because kind of at that point every walk really mattered. And going into the parish, what was your, what was the target for you? So the target really was, I mean, as I mentioned sort of to you earlier on. Finishing is always my first target, yeah, it has yeah, to be. Yeah. It's, it, it, it's such a tough event that for anyone that, that enters, whether you're finishing it in 15, 16 hours or whether you finish it in 23 hours, it's, it, 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 it is a massively difficult event to, to, to finish. Um, but really, beyond that, I looked at my time that I finished last time of 18 hours and really I wanted to improve on that. So 17 hours what was really my, my, my minimum target time-wise. I wanted to get under 17 hours. Um, but I wanted to set off to give my chance, myself a chance to get around 16 or just under 16 hours. I thought I could do that, but it very much depended on the day, on the conditions and the like. Um, and I didn't want to, my biggest concern really was going off too quickly and particularly if it was hot and then sort of blowing up and then completely losing all pace and then dropping back massively. So yeah, so yeah 16 hours was kind of my, my, my ambitious target really. And do you spend much brain space looking at what other people are doing? Not specifically. It, it was more, I did have a quick look, but it was more to see how I could pace myself yeah, to try and get there. Um, I, I'd sort of theoretically set up what I thought I should do, and then I had a bit a look back at history of those. They got around 16 hours. So um, one of the guys that, 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 that I know reasonably well, a guy called Pete Miller, he, he did just over 16 hours in, I think it was 2018. 
And when I looked at his time that, that he did to get in at around 16 hours 10, the sort of speeds he was doing and, and the natural slowdown that you get as you do the event was very similar to what I was planning. So that kind of gave me some confidence that actually what I was trying to put together time-wise was probably about right for the sort of time I was trying to hit. Yeah, right. um, so, and, yeah. and the day, day of the event, uh, sort of four days ago now, mm. I think certainly when you get up in the morning, it's cloudy, I suppose you, which is certainly the Four days before have been blazing sunshine days, haven't they? So I think that I guess the initial reaction was always a bit overcast. It's quite a good thing, although I think it was probably more humid than. Yeah, yeah, no. Your t shirt intimated that it was quite humid yes. with the amount of salt on it. Yes, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. Um, to be honest, I was pretty worried about the weather leading up to it. Like you say, it had been sunny the days before. I kept looking at, at, at the Saturday, and then one minute it seemed to be giving sun, and then it was giving overcast, then it was giving sunny spells. And he kind of didn't really know what it was going to be. Um, I, like I said before, I like to plan a lot, a lot in advance. So I was up early on the, on the Saturday morning about half five. Um, I got down the NSC just before seven. Mm -hmm. And when I was walking around the NSC at, 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 at sort of seven o'clock, there was only a handful of people around at the time, just over that, having a chat with a few people. The sun was out at that point in time. And it was, I was thinking, oh, no, it's going to be quite a warm one and we're really going to suffer today. And then it, the, the sun seemed to go in. And actually, for most of the day, or pretty much the whole day the sun was in it. It, it it was quite humid like you say but I think we were quite fortunate the sun wasn't out because come yeah. the Sunday being sat back, uh, back in my back garden the sun was out again I was thinking I'm glad it wasn't the parish yeah, walk yeah. On, on the Sunday it was the Saturday that the, you know, the start of the race was yeah, so. yeah. and then how, how did how you know looking back now set set off I, I don't know obviously not being in the front did a few people plow off quickly how, how was it did you just get into your routine your times and just focus on that yeah yeah i mean I, I had a very set pace to try and stick to through to through to russian and through to peel and it wasn't really until Derby that was playing to then say if i was feeling good I, i'd go outside the plan i had um, and i broadly stuck to what i was doing only probably to about uh braid which is, isn't particularly far so i was about six miles in or thereabouts i think i, I was walking with the actually with richard gerald at that point in time about the pace that needs to be i had a chat with him which which was quite nice um, at that point, there was uh, the, the young lad Simon that got off very, very quickly um, at, at the start, and then Liam, uh, and Pete Miller, and the, uh, Robbie were ahead. They were quite a bit, quite a bit ahead of us at that point. Um, and then, as we got kind of uh, towards Santon, I started to just up my pace slightly, which I wasn't supposed to do. And then I could see Liam just ahead of me. So I think once you see someone, instinct takes over, and you kind of want to catch them, even yeah. without thinking. So. Before I knew, I'd caught Liam up, and I was walking faster than, than I planned at that point. Um, so I was having a chat with Liam, and we walked pretty much through to to Russian together. Um, and as we got towards Russian, we started to catch up to some of the others, to, to Pete Miller, and also to uh, to, to Robin. I passed them. I think it was just before Russian. Um, so I think by the time I got to Russian, I was probably about between five and ten minutes ahead of, of what I was planning to do, which doesn't sound a lot, but actually it's, it's quite a quite a difference in, in minutes per mile. Uh, and your support through that. Of not being stuck in traffic because mm. at the front of the front of the thing mm. are you air uh, i think we talked to maybe off, i think it was off air around fuel and mm. is your support saying ee -E -E, or is that something you're very aware of or a bit of both yeah i i think the, the early bit isn't so bad because I, I had a very specific plan of what i was going to eat and, and where and when as you get further on because the times change compared to what you're expecting then it gets a bit more difficult so um, I first saw, saw my support, well, it was supposed to be around Baloo, but he, he actually turned up a bit earlier because I knew there was enough feeding stations before that for him to, to, to not have to worry about supporting me. Um, but yeah, around Baloo and then I think it was just after Arbury, we'd agreed that 
swapped my bottle for another bottle so, so I could top up my drink essentially. And then he was going to give me a sandwich and, and, and a crunchy. So basically, I had to eat the sandwich there and have the crunchy just before I get to uh, go up the hill for Balakawi just to get a bit, bit of sort of sugar in, in, into me, really, but yeah. a bit of energy. So that all went exactly to what we were expecting, what we planned beforehand. And very similar through to Peel, it's once you get past Peel, then you know it, it's almost very ad hoc. It's yeah, it's a bit more unknown. And I suppose you think about Peel, which is 30 mile, like your training rides are up to 30 mile, you're kind of starting yeah. to go into a bit of an unknown then, I guess, then it's... Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Managing the body. I think it's probably further on, really, that, that then you rely on your training, you tell your, your support then to really encourage you to eat. My support was very good with food, with drinks. There was one point just after Jervy where I started suffering a bit with, with cramp, actually, which mm. I don't normally get. Um, and it was just on the tiny little hills that they're up there. So it was quite fortunate that it wasn't you know, in an area where you've got lots of big hills ahead of you. So then uh, my support then started making sure that every 20 minutes of getting salt sticks in me, because we knew once we got past Ramsey, which was still obviously two hours away, you've then got quite a lot of hill that's coming up there. So I had two hours to try, to try to get my salt levels back up again, really. Um, so by the time I got there, the, the cramp had completely, completely gone. Right. So it was fortunate, really. I presume you're communicating that to your support going, I'm starting to feel cramp here and there. And, you know, I, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we'll look back on my times. I, I can see I had quite a slow mile around that sort of north of the, of the island. I, I was going a good pace, and then when the cramp hit, the only thing you can really do, or what I find, is, is you can you, you can only really ease off. You just have to ease off for a bit and just hope it starts to subside a bit. If you yeah. try and push, you're just going to keep cramping up. So, yeah, right, yeah. so ease off a mile, get, get, got some salt into it, and then just proactively kind of get more and more salt in as often as I could. Um, and we are out front at this stage? Yes, yeah. Right. Yeah, so at this point, it was, I think it was only about a couple of minutes ahead of Liam, so it was all quite tight as well at that point. Um, so, yeah. And are you thinking about winning? Is that a thought process that goes through your head? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily winning. It was. It was. First of all, I I, I was kind of looking at that sixteen hour mark really and saying, mm. I knew it was a long way to go. I knew Liam obviously being a great walker has probably got a lot left in his legs still. So you know, a couple of minutes isn't a lot to catch up really. So I was always just trying to work ahead to say, based on the time I'm on now, what minute mile can I do to the end to get under sixteen hours? Yeah. It's probably a, almost a way to sort of preoccupy preoccupy yeah. my mind really to take up you know to, to take away from from everything else that's going on. So. At that point, I think I was averaging about just over 10 and a half minute miles or 10 minute, 40 minute miles. And I knew 12 minute mile from here onwards was enough to get under 16 or, oh, okay. or thereabouts. So suddenly psychologically, it gives you quite a big boost of um, the, the, the fact that actually you're probably going to be well within the 16 hours as long as you don't do anything silly. So just keep it steady, stay calm. Don't worry about leaving for now because with 30 odd miles to go, you know, you've, you've got to keep walking your own race really and just focus on that. Yeah, okay. Mackles, lumpy. Yeah. How do you find? I mean, that change in gradient does a body as a walker. Um, I'd probably say it's quite nice to have a relief. Going up hills it, it, it is one of my strengths, really. Yeah. It's I, I think it's it's part of the running. One of the things with with running is you can get a lot more kind of uh, cardiovascular sort of uh, fitness from it than probably from walking. So because I have done so much running, I tend to find if, if I'm going up a hill, I don't really get a breath at all. It's purely down to what's the limit of your legs, how fast can they move, are they going to get tired. Yeah. Um, so. Generally, my pace doesn't slow too much up the hills, so it was an area that I was sort of reasonably confident with going up the hills. Um, my, my concern with being caught by, by Liam at that point, because at that, that point it was getting more towards a race, was on the flats and the downhills where I, I thought he'd be you know, stronger, to be honest. So yeah, right. um, I think the the gap as we were going around the North Lands was fairly consistent. It was just over three minutes around Andrus, just under three minutes by. So I support but, uh, telling you that. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's, 
I think it's around that point it starts to get towards a bit of a race and you kind of want to know what, what the gap is and probably more importantly, is it getting bigger or smaller? Yeah, yeah. Um, and at that point, it was fairly consistent, yeah, around three minutes. I think it was four minutes by Mackold, so it hadn't really changed. So when I went through Mackold, that, that was the point where I first thought, right, I need to start upping my speed now oh, okay. and, and start thinking about the race really between there and Lonham. Because right. once you're through Lonham, there's only six and a half miles left and you're almost at the end. So. It's bonkers, isn't it, when you think of, think about it in the context of when I get to Mackle, which is like 60 miles into the race, start the race actually really starts. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th I think if you start thinking about the race much before that and you're not walking your own race, your own times, you, you just risk going too fast and burning yourself out with, you know, potentially a massive amount of distance left. Yeah, right, okay. So, other than crossing a line, can you remember a point where you were like, I've got this now? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was that critical section really, like I said, between Mackold and, and, and Lonnan. So, you, you, you've got a couple of big hills between Mackold and the, the sort of the main coast road you go on to. So I was fairly confident I'd, I'd keep a decent pace up then. But once I was on the coast road, I'd then try to push a bit harder really. So. At that point, you've got about 14, 15 miles to go. So I, I upped the pace more because I thought Liam would be pushing hard as well. And it was to try and keep that gap. Mm. Um, but as I went along there, there was, there was a lot of uh, people that I know that had come out to, to, to support. So they, they were sat at the side of the road watching. Um, and the issue you get with, with, with your splits is you get them at the churches, but not really in between. And there's a big gap between, yeah. obviously, um, Mackerel or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So what my support guy actually was able to do was to speak to a couple of people we, that we knew at the side of the road and say, look, Paul's coming through now, can you just drop, drop him a message to say how long it is to the next person? And what, what we found was, I think it was in, as I went through, through the dip in Lexi, I, I, I got a, a message through to say the gap gone to 14 minutes. Right. And at that point, to go from four to 14, psychologically, it's like a massive boost. That was probably the first point I thought was, geez. Did you ever like, doubt that was correct? I did so a little bit. Quite, yeah, so yeah. it's quite a big jump, isn't it? Yeah, no, yeah. I'd, I'd heard a couple before that of like eight minutes oh, and then right, 10 minutes. Okay. So I felt a bit more comfortable, but, but, but you're right, I did doubt it because, you know, you, you do think, that, you know, to, to put out 10 minutes is, is, is quite a big distance. I knew I'd been pushing quite hard, so yeah. I thought, you know, you, you might put out a couple of minutes if Liam's not pushed quite as hard, but actually, um, it was, yeah, probably the first point I thought, well, actually, you might you know go and win this now yeah right so uh, i didn't hear the interview i saw it on facebook because uh, they were interviewing think max radio as you left the church in london i yes. think i don't know the questions they were asked like saying that i don't think i had the audio i didn't have the audio on so at that stage because i'd imagine when you come back that because you to loop back on yourself and it, I, i'm guessing it's maybe i don't know five minute loop from the bottom up to the church back down yeah I'd imagine coming all the way down, you're thinking, don't see Liam, don't see Liam. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah. was there a look left as you went back on the main road to see if you could see him? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> Just in case that gap wasn't quite what they were telling you. Yeah, so what I generally try to do during the likes of the parachute is to, to never look behind you, yeah. really. That, that, that's generally what I try and do, particularly in the first 70 miles, because there, there really is any point you have to walk your own race. And if someone's 100 metres behind you or 200 metres behind you or 800 metres behind you, it doesn't really matter at that point. But I've got to admit, at that point, when I was coming down, that doubt of whether the 14 minutes was correct or not it was the one thing I was thinking about. So mm -hmm. I kind of knew it was about three minutes up, I think, and three minutes down. So okay. roughly five, six minutes is is the lead at that point, which would be quite a, a big gap to make up over six miles or six and a half miles. A minute mile would, yeah, would, yeah. would be tough. So I got down there and I went up to the boss and I, I did look left, actually, because mm -hmm. I knew if I hadn't seen at that point and I couldn't see him to the left, then that gap had to be seven, eight minutes and the 14 was probably right at that yeah, point. Right, right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah okay and then what was the what was it like to get to the finish and 
Yeah, I mean, from that point there, when I hit the bottom of that hill, as we were just saying, turn right, it's the one point where you can kind of actually start to enjoy it. You know, you kind of, as long as nothing silly happens, you know, twisted ankle, all those sorts of things start to come into your head. My support car was saying, just take it steady now, don't do anything crazy. And you're walking along and then, you know, cars are coming past and they're all hooting the horns and people are cheering out the windows and playing songs to you like we are the champions, all that sort of thing as they drive past, which which is quite nice. And... You know, people come out onto the streets, and you walk past, you know, sort of apartments, and the people on balconies sort of cheering. Oh, wow, it's amazing. it's um, re- re- really quite special. I mean, to, to us, the whole day is special. Yeah, know, to, it's to a get, very manned community day, uh, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. and it, it, I mean, that side of it doesn't matter whether you're first or last or anywhere in between. You know, to walk through, particularly the south of the island, is it, it's probably where, where most people see it. You know, yeah, yeah. see everyone on the streets cheering you on. All, all that support is uh, is is one of the great things about the parish walk. It's a pr- proper community event, which is which is amazing. So. So yeah, that was great. And, and again, the video when you cross the line, and it almost just like you went over to to think see your family, mm. and just that. And someone else commented to me as well. And it was the same thought process I had when I saw it, which was it didn't even like you'd done it. I appreciate you sweating, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Just start moving around. Like obviously, you appreciate the different characteristics. People finishing at twenty three hours, but they they're folded over in half finishing yeah. and you just kind of almost like unclip, unclick your hips and you're like right fine well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think um, as I was getting close to the line I had a lot of support there actually from work it was probably I'm not sure how many people 20 or 30 people at least from work that were there cheering very loudly which was nice and it was you know, to see my girls there and everything it, it was quite emotional as I, as I got yeah, towards the line yeah. so I think I probably got quite a big adrenaline boost which probably helped me look, <laughs> look a bit better fortunately yeah, so, midnight at home it wasn't quite the same no no exactly <laughs> yeah, yeah. helped yeah. to get the trainers off yeah and how were you like Sunday and so, feet how were they yeah so um, certainly yeah, so, so, Sunday's quite a sore day I've got to say yeah, yeah sore and stiff I mean it's Father's me, Day so Father's Day yes yeah yellow. Yeah, that's my present. Absolutely. <laughs> I think, like, for me, the main thing is, is just trying to stay active. Nothing crazy active, but as soon as you stop and sit still, everything starts to seize up. So um, I was just trying to do, like, lots of little easy, slow walks and, you know, just, just walk around and, uh, yeah, not seize up too much. A little bit sore at the back of my heels. There's just some very small sort of blisters there, but generally the feet were hardened up from all the, all the walk training, so yeah, there yeah. wasn't really too much, too much damage. Did you fasten any feet before you started? The only thing I do on my feet is put a tiny bit of Vaseline between my toes. Right. That's that's the only thing I do. Other than that, I don't touch them. And as soon as I'm out and walking in the race, I, I don't touch them at all. Yeah, just right. just leave as they are. Yeah. Uh, well, congratulations anyway. Massive, uh, a massive achievement. And uh, yeah, just have your name on that winners list when you look down that list. There's some names on it. It's a, it's a, some accomplishment. So what's uh, well? Let's just finish the parish section. So appreciate again, people walking it just that the, the, well you mentioned about the goal of just being able to finish but those people that want to want to have a go at it what what advice would you give them my advice is, is definitely to to prepare as much as you can i, I think if, if you can get some training in that's that's really going to help you you don't necessarily have to be doing 40 miles a week like like i've been doing i'm surprised i would expect you did more not yeah. you just generally, generally even yeah. those top runners will be doing more than that yeah no it's top walkers a lot of it is around the quality of the training, I think, as well. I think you could do 40 miles training and it might not be that beneficial if it's not the right sort of training. So my advice to anyone is, is is to, you know, if you can get out for three walks a week, that's great. If you can do two about an hour and do one longer walk of, you know, it might be a couple of hours to start off with and build it, build it up. But the important thing in those walks is that you are walking quite fast and pushing your pace. 
So those one hour walks should be a brisk walk. You, you shouldn't be dawdling, shouldn't be stopping, having a little rest along the way or anything. It's, that's where the benefit comes, I think. You yeah, know? Right. Um, I think they'll be much more beneficial than doing 10 hours worth of easy walking a week where I don't think you'd get much benefit really. Yeah, right. uh, then the second bit I think is around obviously That'll help you physically, but then you've got the whole kind of um, the, the, the feeding side of it, which is so critical. And in that longer walk that you do, you have to try and test the food there because on the day you need to make sure you're eating. Because if you're not eating regularly, you, you, you'll bomb out and not have enough energy, which I think a lot of people in their earlier walks they do. <laughs> do, my do struggle with that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I should know better. I haven't done sport most of my life. Uh, so that, that I suppose, shows the importance of it because. Uh, I should know better and I still didn't. So those that, you know, have less experience in it. So what's the plan now? Other than a few days rest. Yeah, the plan now. Tell I me I haven't run since then. I, I did go have a little run yesterday. Oh, wasn't it? It? Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it was, it's, it's only about, I think five and a half weeks now until the, uh, the, the next sort of Alman marathon and half marathon. So I'm, I'm looking oh, yeah. probably to look to do the half for that, I think. Um, yeah. It's not going to be a lot of time to train, which is kind of why I wanted to at least get a couple of recovery runs in this week, and yeah. then it'll give me maybe three or four weeks to get some proper training in before kind of having to taper again. But that's more of a because there's, there's not a lot of time to train for it. That's probably more more of a minor target. I think my my, my bigger running targets now will be looking towards the sick work at the end of the year, and I'd quite like to try and get away for one of the um, one one of the sort of bigger marathons abroad, one of the bigger city marathons, to yeah, try and get a good time on that. Um, that was part of the purpose why I wanted to do that marathon back in May time because um, to get into a lot of these marathons, uh, not through a ballot, you need to have a, a, a good for age time. So the three hour and five minute I'd done the other year wouldn't have been good enough. But now because I've got that two hour 37 for, for, for most marathons, that should help me get in yeah. um, based on my time rather than having to then sort of go through a ballot and you might not necessarily get in. So. So be looking to do that, and then after that we'll be back around to the parish again next year. We'll be able to, to go again. Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. on Sunday it wasn't, but <laughs> <laughs> a couple but, of days later. But I think it'd be yeah. It's at the moment I'm kind of like well, you, you kind of have to go back and try and defend your title. I'm sure once again that number one, even if you don't start, just having the number yeah. one. Uh, That's it. But I I kind of know once you get towards Christmas and after Christmas that buzz of uh, the parish walks coming up again and, and everything, I'll, I, I, I'm sure I'll be well up for it. Again, How do you so. motivate yourself? Like you think about January, you're talking about walking up the round table in January and it's, mm. well, it might not tell you it'd be dark, but it's going to be wet and windy or cold. How, what's your motivation? Yeah, it's a lot of it, I think, is, is the mental, mental preparation beforehand. Uh, before any difficult walk or any difficult run, I always try and have a think about it beforehand, plan the route I'm doing, think about what the weather's going to be like, uh, think about what food I need along the way and have all that set up and planned beforehand because you know there's going to be difficult points on it if it's going to be a wet, horrible day or if you're doing a really hard, tough, long run and you're going to have to pick up drinks and, and, and the likes along the way. So I find that certainly helps a lot. If you go out and just run and then suddenly, you know, you've, you've got bad weather or, or whatever, then it's very easy to give up. So yeah. that, that, that preparation helps. And I, I tend to keep an eye on the weather. If I know I've got a tough run coming up in two days' time, I'll look at the weather and say, can I do it a bit earlier in the day, a bit later in the day, or maybe a day afterwards if it fits in the plan and yeah, right. try and work it that way. So, so yeah. And do you train with headphones and that? Do you use any of that to try and distract from the... So imagine walking... And, well, any training can be boring at times. I'm riding my bike, it can be boring. Yeah, no, I, I actually... I've never trained with music, which right. I think a lot of people would, would find unusual. Mm -hmm. um, to be honest, it's... 
it's, it's, it's probably why I might sound a bit sad, but we've got su- such amazing countryside here. There's nothing better mm-hmm. than going out for, for a mm-hmm. nice walk. I mean, w- w- one of my favourite training sort of walks is when I go up to the round table and go straight over there, and then there's, there's a left you can take a bit further down that hill, which takes you through where uh, Ronig and past the reservoir. Mm-hmm. And then back out to a Foxdale and back, and you know, get some amazing scenery out there. Yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of people to see on the way, so I, I tend to sort of say hi to people as I'm passing them. And certainly down there, so you probably don't want headphones. Quite narrow roads. You want to be hearing cars yeah, coming anyway to absolutely to not necessarily yeah, wipe you out. So uh, thanks for coming in. What I would say to throw you straight under the bus is, I assume if people want to get into a bit of a bit of walk and want a bit of advice, I'm assuming you're always open to people contacting you and you know point them in the right direction etc you're not yeah. going to say no now are you but <laughs> sure from having chatted before as well no absolutely i mean a lot of my friends that, have, that were doing the parish this year actually some of them for the first time have been in touch to say you know can you help me just with what do i eat or, or, or what training should i do in the build-up to it and the, and the likes and, and to be honest you know I've, I've been in that position as well sort of trying to ask if what do i need to do and i, I was always very fortunate to have Erna who was there to guide and, and help me so i'm certainly but more than happy to always to pass that on to to other people and you know try and promote the event as much as possible and and, and all sporting events to be honest um, and encourage people to do them because there's there's massive benefits both sort of physically and mentally i think to, to, to sort of get involved in them couldn't agree more and a great uh, note to end on so thanks for joining us today paul appreciate it and once again congratulations cheers thank you thanks for everyone for uh, listening it's a uh, word out from mom